we're in the top four. We've finally done it. We've made a, a slight comeback, and we're we're back up in contention for that double chance, which is going to be ever so vital come the uh, final series if we happen to make it. There's still obviously a chance for things to change, but the boys are looking good. And uh, joining me tonight to discuss all things Richmond is Fraser67. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. No drums at all. And um, as you're a first-time guest on the show, we'll always start with this question. How did you become a Tigers fan? Yeah, well, I guess uh, we, uh, my family were the original 10-pound tourists back in the day when I came to Australia. I was about probably 18 months old, so didn't really know much about what I was getting myself into at that point. So didn't have any family history of uh, the, the Tigers or any any club, I guess. Um, was at school, started prep in years uh, 1973, so I guess we were quite good my first two years of primary school. So the only thing I can think of, well, there was two things. One, I really liked the tigers as an animal, and uh, I guess at the time we were we were pretty bloody good about then, so I was probably one of the original bandwagoners, if you like, back in uh, 73, 74. So I think that's it, and, you know, as, when, once you pick a team, that's it. So Absolutely. Um, that was it. And what about Grand Final Day in 2017? Did you go to the game? Yes, I was. I was very fortunate to be there. Yeah, it was just something you know you have when you. But particularly, I guess my vintage. I, I missed out in 1980 and didn't get to go in uh, 82. So um, I'd been to a lot of Grand Finals uh, as an AFL member. I'd uh, been to a lot, but never seen Richmond there. So to be, and I must admit, after 2016, I pretty much mentally given up the fact that I would probably ever see Richmond in the grand final. So, um, yeah, it was a, a dream come true in a lot of ways, I guess, and obviously the the result was just, just amazing on the day. So I reckon a lot of people were in the same boat as you, though, giving up hope after, you know, we played finals for a few consecutive years but just couldn't get that win. And, yeah, that 2016 year, I think uh, everyone had sort of written us off. But uh, no, good to bounce back, and here we are today. Absolutely, and you just yeah you you wind the clock back a few years, and particularly somebody like me who's seen quite a bit over the years, um, to, just to watch the current team in its iteration and the way they go about it, and just from the club perspective, it's it, it's I mean it, the youngsters probably not going to appreciate it as much because when you when the club was run so shambolically there for so long, and uh, we just got so many false dawns. Um, to see the position we're in now is just astonishing, really. It's just, um, uh, yeah, I, I, cu- I couldn't have imagined it 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I think everyone's in the same boat. It's full credit to um, Peggy, Brendan and, and Dimmer for the turnaround they've done. And obviously the players have heavily bought in and played their role as well, which we're all very thankful for, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Big game last week against the Pies, the uh, battle for fourth spot. I think they, they come out pretty hard, as we kind of expected. When they scored that first goal, I was a bit, oh, God, here we go. But um, ended up prevailing, 14-14-98, defeating Collingwood, 9-12-66, so a 32-point win. We did have it out to about 50 at one stage, and they got a couple of junk-time goals, which on one hand is a little bit annoying, but on the other hand, you can kind of see where the boys might be coming from if they backed off a little bit. They had it in full control, but what did you make of the game? Yeah, look, I, look, I was really, really happy going into it. It was uh, funny. I caught up with a Collingwood mate uh, the day before for coffee, and uh, we were sort of discussing it. And he brought my attention to the fact that actually the loser of the game could actually have the total shame of being below Essendon on the ladder after the round. <laughs> so that that put in a massive extra pressure from my perspective. Um, 
but yeah, no, look, it was it was fantastic. I mean, the, the pressure was sensational across the ground. I think that was that was obviously one of the things that stood out. The other thing that stood out, if you go back, you know, compared to the round two and earlier in the season, is how well the um, defensive unit have gelled together. Um, they've obviously you know had to cover for the loss of Rancy and everything, and I think um, it's one of those things that just it's it's taken a while to get there. But if you look at the last five weeks. I think the I think St Kilda have scored the most against us, and they that was seventy points. I think everything else has been in the fifties and sixties in the last five weeks. So I think defensively, we've essentially the the unit is really really starting to gel. It's it's like they probably went through a, a period there early in the season where they were thought, well, how the hell are we going to cope without Rance? You know how you know forget what everybody in the outside outside in the football world was saying, but even in, internally, I. absolutely imagine players would have had their doubts as to how they could go about it and it's obviously taken them a while and sort of Grimesy sort of saying he's now you know almost taken on that uh, vocal role um, or or a great bit of it that Rance has but yeah I mean the run out you know uh, Basher was great coming out of I mean Grimes is just unbelievable I mean it's best on ground by far it's 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 astonishing that this guy if this guy doesn't get like all Australian this year then there's just there's just seriously there should be an inquiry into it. I mean it's yeah. th- th- this. I mean obviously we don't underrate him as supporters because we see him every week. But it's it's it, he should be talked up there in the in amongst the best two or three defenders in the competition. I mean it's there's no there's no team in in the competition who wouldn't he would not walk into uh, oh, any day of the week. 100%. It's ridiculous. So. And uh, I mean, when Rancy went down, I think we even said, it, and a lot of supporters would have maybe thought the same thing not long after, but if you were going to lose someone like an Alex Rance, you, you are better off to do it at the start of the year, just so the oh. back line did have all that time to adjust. Could you, could you imagine if we were full strength all the way through and then he goes down now, that just throws the whole back end of the season into complete chaos. So as bad as it is to lose Rancy, obviously, much rather it happened then uh, back at the start of the year, because the, the boys have gelled well, and what you said about Grimes is spot on, and you think back to his early days when we had those hamstring issues. I think we sent him to Germany, I think it was, to to try mm. and get himself right. And at one point, I mean, I thought there was a huge risk he may just have to retire because he would keep injuring himself. But to pull himself back to the player he is now has just been unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I was very much along the same boat as you. I thought this is a guy that... Although he shows a lot of promise, where the most games we're ever going to get out of him in a season is going to be 15. Um, you've just got to re- resign to the fact that you know you're never going to get more than 15 games. And considering how durable he is now, it's 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 yeah, it's amazing how the difference between the uh, you know the the start of his career and now. And and your point you make about the Rance injuring himself early is absolutely bang on. And and it actually goes across the ground when you when you think about all the injuries we had early on. Um, if imagine like. Like if we lost Nankervis now, um, you know, and if we, if we, you know, like Lambert was out for a couple, I think early on. So so all of these young guys who've come in and got a chance, and actually, uh, you know, the Sydney Stacks, the Liam Bakers, who's been, you know, in and out, so Shy Bolton and that, who they, they now come in and they're, they're not just they're not just bit part players. They're now becoming crucial to us going forward, and um, it's it's interesting. I look at this season as even if. We don't, obviously, we all obviously ultimately want to win the premiership at the end of the season. But even if we don't, it's been an incredible season for our future development in terms yeah. of being exposing all of these youngsters to come in and just play. And, and the confidence they'll get out of being able to play, 
obviously play a fantastic role towards this Go- going forward it just it just i'm incredibly excited for the next couple of years yeah it's it's almost been a blessing in disguise as much as you don't want injuries but yeah if, if any of them were to go down tomorrow at least we know there's guys ready who can step in and play those roles and we'll still get a pretty good output from them so that's uh, yeah it's a, a massive thing to have good advantage um you mentioned our pressure earlier on. Jack Graham led the way with 13 tackles and Bolton was next best on seven. 13 tackles in a game of footy is a ridiculous number and I know the jury was kind of out a few weeks ago about his output in games and whether he should be in the side or not. But when you see tackle numbers like that in the pressure he applied around the contest, I thought he played a big role in sort of curving steel side bottom around stoppages as well. He's just so important to our team. Yeah, absolutely. And side bottom has uh, cut us up a few times in the past. Oh, every uh, time. You know, it's just he's one of those guys that seems to go under. I mean, we, we don't tend to play, obviously, hard tags. And so um, we don't, uh, we, we're, you know, so occasionally that happens. But no, I, I agree with you. I mean, J- Jack Graham's one of those guys. I kind of almost equate him to, to me, he's what I think of uh, uh, George in the forward line. I think of Jack Graham in, in the midfield. And by that, I mean that a lot of people, I think, unfairly pigeonhole, uh, say, George in the forward line as just another small forward along with, uh, you know, a Butler, a Rioli, you know, that sort of thing. Um, the, the massive difference between those guys and George is that George will, he will sit there and he will take an absolute thumping, whether it's a tackle, um, get crunched in a marking contest and just and just basically create a stoppage where other players wouldn't wouldn't be able to do that. And I think the thing with Graham is what Graham brings in is his, his incredible attack on the player with the ball. Yeah. Um, and right from that, and I think from his first game, didn't didn't he ha- like have the record for the first the most number of tackles for a first gamer? I think in league history or that's ever been recorded or something. I, I think I could be wrong about that, but I thought he had like ten or eleven tackles in his first game, and and they were saying that that's the most that had ever been recorded by a first gamer. And um, yet you, you can't just afford to lose those, particularly like, say, obviously we've lost Koch uh, for the next few weeks. We can't afford to, um, you know, not have somebody like that in the in in the middle of the, the ground that can actually put that sort of pressure on uh, on the opposition. Another thing I noticed uh, watching, I was watching on TV, and you mentioned off-air that you were at the game, so it'd be interesting to see if you felt the same way, but... For large patches of the game, we just dominated the repeat Ford 50 entries. I think we won the Ford 50 count 61 to 49, so that's a really big win. And it just felt like for maybe 10 minutes at a time that they just couldn't get the ball out of our front half. Yeah, no, it, it, it's... It... It's one of the funny things, and it's like at, at the game, you know, you, you go through. Well, certainly, I go through stages, and I'll, I'll get, I'll obviously get nervous, and I've, I'm traditionally, you know, when I'm at the game, I will be nervous and think of all the possible permutations that we could actually lose the game from any point in time, um, and. But I never felt that way on Saturday. On Friday, I just thought we were we were just completely dominant, and it just got and to the point where. I was probably as pissed off as Dimmer was right on half time with those two goals that we can see right on half time. The ma- I mean, we would have been, I think, like 40, 48, 49 up at, at half time. Um, and, I, and I don't think that flattered us in any way. I think if we'd have been 10 or 11 goals up at half time, that would have been, you know, probably par for the performance because it was, um, yeah, we, we were that dominant going. And it, and it just looked like we were going to win the ball back every time. You never, it, it 
it, at the game you get a I, I just it's you know you just get a feeling for sort of the the shape and of the contest and how it's going and it it never felt at any stage that we wouldn't win the ball back in the back line and then we would just start to build and then we would just get another entry and then you know obviously Lynchy was just uh, you know particularly in the first half it was absolutely electric. How good was um, he? Five forward. goals. What a just an amazing effort in those kind of conditions. And he had thirteen score involvements. It's I mean, for a guy um you know, as you know, obviously it was a liability when we when we uh, drafted him, uh, when we when we got him. Um, I mean, he's just uh, just ama- been been amazing, and um, and I mean, if you, you look at those conditions and the way he's moving around, and that's that's you know that's a 199 centimeter guy. That's he's a big big boy, and yeah. he just he makes he makes smart decisions. Um, and like that, I think one of the, the best things about having him and Jack there, I've said for years that generally the best uh, deliverers of balls to key forwards are other key forwards because they know exactly how they like the ball delivered to them. I agree. Yeah. Um, and it was like even going back to I remember Richo in his early days in particular when he'd get right up the ground. His, his kicking for goal was never was never brilliant, but if he actually had to kick to somebody else leading in the forward line, he was generally he'd pinpoint the passes because he'd know exactly where they'd want him want him to go. So I think that's a really terrific dimension to have that we haven't had for a long time. Um, and it's interesting because Jack Rewalt in the Collingwood game in particular, he kind of seemed happy enough just to play second fiddle, and I think a lot of people externally, maybe even internally as well as Richmond supporters, weren't sure how they would go playing in the same forelane with if they both wanted to be the main man and if that would work. But it just sort of felt very much like Jack was happy for Tom to lead the way because of the presence he created, um, which kind of let Jack get off the off the leash. I think the goal that he got, he was about five metres off the pack and no one went near him. Yeah, it's... Um, Jack, to me, he's pretty much become the ultimate team man. And he's been that way for probably... Uh, five or six years, I think, um, at least. I mean, he—I never had any doubt when Tom came that, that there would there was never going to be this who's who's top dog or anything like this. I think uh, Lynchy was pretty open. I think when he came along that he actually wanted to learn from Jack, and I think Jack is really relishing this. Um, well, like obviously the last couple of years with the, with the younger, smaller guys in the forward line, almost playing that coaching role in terms of the structure up there. And I think I think it's something he does. You know, he's developed really, really well, considering it probably wasn't a um, a big part of his game early on um, when he when he sort of first got into the team. But I think now he's he's just such a, a, a great, um, just, just such a great team, man. I mean, whoever's, you know, he, he doesn't, I don't at any stage think, oh, you know, geez, if Jack hasn't kicked three, four goals today, he hasn't contributed. I mean, I think he – and he's realised – he realises that. It's it's all about, you know, the team's success. And yep. I think that's one of the things that when you when you do win a premiership and you realise how important it is for the team and for everybody in the squad and in the club, that, you know, it's one of those things that you go, well, that's, that's the ultimate. That's what you want to do. And if it's going to help the team for you to either act as a decoy or – um, or drop off, or do some blocking, blocking, or whatever around there. Then, and and that gets the result. Then that's what you do. And the, the best part is, is there's going to come a time where Tom will be having a down day, no doubt. And he can return the favour, and then Jack's off the leash, and and that's the luxury that we've now got if they're both on the park. And yeah, it's going to cause many headaches for many years to come. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's that's, and and also. If you get a situation where, for whatever reason, one of them's maybe double teamed or whatever, um, you know, it's I, look, you know, back back in the the other the old 
good old days. I, I remember one day being at the G and um, it was a brassy coached Melbourne side, I think, and they, they, he, cho- he went in and chose to double team Rochi the whole game. Um, basically just the entire game until I think about halfway through the last quarter. And I think Bruce Monteith helped himself to eight goals that day because he basically didn't have an opponent in the forward line. So it was like, well, that's, you know, that wasn't exactly successful. I think we won the game by about 18 goals or whatever anyway. So it was, uh, it sort of seemed like it was one of those things you go, well, it probably didn't quite, you probably stopped Rochi from kicking 14, but, um, you know, it didn't really have much an impact on the game. But yeah, you're right. It just, it just gives that, you know, having the, the two of them there, um, you know, that that's it. And, and I think probably early on this season that um, Tom probably, and rightly so, he would have he would have felt a bit of pressure. I mean, he's, he's a young guy coming off a knee injury, coming in a completely new club, new state, new environment. He's, he's had to move home. A lot of people, you know, don't know. I mean, that's, it's a big thing to actually have to do something like that. Yeah. And that's what pissed me off so much about Dickhead's um, liability comment a few weeks ago where it was like, look, you know, you know that all these things are happening and you just, you know, he, he reacts like a shock jock, um, Lloyd, and, would, and yeah. it's like this. Yeah, and, and that's what he is. He's des- I know he's designed to get a, a rise out of people and everything, but then turn around apologising for it afterwards. No, it doesn't, doesn't cut it for me. He, he knew exactly what he was doing and saying, and I think given that what, um, you know, what we're seeing the benefit of now is that um, – having Jack in there is that Tom mentally now realizes, oh shit, it's not all up to him. Not all up to him. It's a, it's a, you know, very, very much a team game. And, uh, and it's not, you know, it's sort of taken that, I think that mental load off him more than anything else. And I think it's probably freed him up um, to play, but he, cause he certainly looked the last three weeks uh, that Jack had been in, he's, he certainly uh, looked, a, you know, I, I think a happier player out there, and just yeah, and agree. just more more intense at the contest too. So it's been great. Very good signs. Um, and what about the ruck battle? That was a, probably a big part of the game that I wasn't sure how how we would go, but I thought Soldo and Chol were very very good against Grundy and Cox. And Grundy's one of the better ruckmen in the comp, if not the best. And Cox is just obviously a man mountain, but. Despite losing the hitouts, I thought we did well to at least halve the contest and give our midfielders a chance because we ended up winning the clearances by two. So I think the boys did a really good job. Yeah, I, absolutely. I um, one, Going into the game, one of the areas I was really concerned about was the ruck. Um, I'm a massive Grundy fan. I, I, you know, My personal thing is that he is the the best ruckman in the competition, um, certainly from an all-round perspective and, and an impact. And he's, you know, he's he's a really, really good player. So I was, that was one area I thought, gee, because they've obviously, even though they've got a couple of guys out, they've got a pretty strong midfield Collingwood. You know, you can't, you can't deny that. And if he's going to give them an armchair ride, um, then, you know, it's potentially dangerous. So, Having said that, I, I was stoked with the uh, with the performance by uh, uh, Ivan and uh, and Marbs. I thought they did a, an absolutely uh, terrific job to negate that and actually, you know, also you know heard it and going for that. Both of them, I think, actually make some pretty good decisions with the ball when they've got them as well and and yeah. their structure. Mar- Marbs is probably still learning a little bit about, um, what, you know, where to run to and contract. And he's probably got to build up his tank a little bit. But when he's got the ball, he's a terrific user of the ball and, and a very, very good kick, um, whether it's for goal or to, you know, to 
around the ground. It's uh, so no, they, I thought I thought the ruck was was great. Um, was, was, I was really really happy, and it's it's one of those other things. You know, if you just said to me before the start of the season that we're going to lose Nank for most of the season, well, given the rucks that we had or thought we had, um, I'd, I would have said we're going to be in real real strife here. But yep. that's been a terrific um, positive as well. And I, I tweeted exactly that the other day, that it wasn't long ago that all Richmond people were on the same page that if Nank went down, we were shot. We had nothing else in reserve. So for these boys to hold their own for over half a season is full credit to them and the club. And um, I think it's it's almost getting hard to find when to put Nank back into the team, as crazy as that might sound. But the Choldo and Sol are just doing a good job at the moment. Yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's exactly, I, I was thinking, if you, like I was originally last week, I was thinking, oh, do we, you know, do we chuck Nank in? But then, you know, it's like, I don't want him to be you know, underdone and exposed against Grundy. Yeah. Um, having seen that from, but but if you'd asked me before last week's game, I would have said, well, I definitely want him to come in for Max Go on the following week. Now, having seen last Friday's game, I'm like, no, I'm, I, I actually, <laughs> unless... Nank is really, really ready to go. Uh, I would be more than happy for him to um, to be to be out another week, and that's because Soldo in the middle of the ground is is a better tap ruckman. There's Agreed. no question about that. He's got he, certainly if gone gone knows if he goes up against Nank, he's pretty much going to get the hit out. And I think psychologically, if he goes if you go on one on one with somebody like that, and you know you've got them beat like that, they're like right, okay. Um, they can set their midfield up a lot better and, and knowing what's sort of going to happen. But he wouldn't have played against Soldo before because I think Nank played the last time we played Melbourne. Or, I, or maybe I could be wrong with that. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but if it's the first time that Soldo's going up against him, he's got that unknown factor as well where you go, well, you know, I don't know how this guy's going to jump against me and all this. So you've you've got that. So now I'd, I'd keep... Um, I'd be happy to to have give Nank another another run in the in the twos. Um, the only thing I'd say is, with even going forward to September, is I'd probably like to give Chol and Soldo uh, a week's break between now and the end of the finals. Um, yeah. At some point, whether you rotate them out, so whether the following week against Carlton maybe um, Soldo comes out, and then maybe the following week against West Coast you know, Chol gets a rest or something like that, um, just to freshen them up um, for, you know, for going into uh, into the finals um, as well. So, but anyway, we'll, we'll see what they'll do. But yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't rush Nank back this week. Done, definitely not, definitely not. Uh, we've mentioned obviously a little bit about how good it's been for these young players to have an opportunity to come up and play due to our injuries. But I think the other thing that's gone unnoticed, and I haven't actually spoken about this much on the show, so that's... Uh, a lot of my fault, but everyone still knows it, is our VFL team is still extremely um, strong. Sitting first, we knocked off Collingwood uh, last week by 55 points. It's just unbelievable to think that with the players we've had out and these young kids coming in to step up from, from the VFL, to then still be winning games and be on 13 wins and two losses, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I can't really add much more to that than you pretty much exactly how I feel about it. I, I, I assumed that with all our injuries and that, that we, you know, the the VFL team would, would be getting blown away. But it it just it it just shows you how how far our club has has come in terms of the the, the personnel that they've they've picked, whether it's players, you know, to, to supplement the VFL list 
or the or the guys that are coming along um, to be developed for the for the AFL team. It, it's it's just amazing how um, how well everything is run down there, and it it goes. It's yeah. I mean, I I don't you know I haven't seen any of the the V. I've seen a little bit of the VFL on TV. I haven't been uh, to to see any games in person, but. Um, when you look at the, I think one of the, for me the the way I like to see uh, one of the one of the key measuring sticks I like to have in you look at any club is that what happens when players get dropped for the seniors and go back to the reserves and you know do you have a situation where they drop their head they crack the shits and they're like nah nah you know this is I'm above this this standard it's not going to happen and it doesn't seem to happen to us you know it's it's like players will go back you know when Shy Bolton got dropped off a few weeks ago and it was probably a little bit harsh um in some ways but he, go, he goes back and then you know he'll pick up 30 possessions and kick a couple of goals yeah that in the midfield and you know yeah. and it's like and i think that just creates um it just creates that buzz and that enthusiasm there so you've got the younger guy the younger vfl guys who are seeing these guys come back like they've played with a lot of regular afl um, players this year that they probably wouldn't have normally um, got, so it must it must give them quite a lift as well. I, I think um, when these guys come back to the VFL, but yeah, it's it's probably a lot of it is you know um, that, that we obviously the way the the club is coached now it's such a structure in that guys are coached to play particular roles to to fill in with how we want to play. Um, and so you see that when they go, if they do get dropped back to the the AFL, or we bring people into the VFL, they can fit that structure. And then likewise, when we see guys come into the AFL team now, they just they, it's it's like they've been there for like well, not years, but they've just walk in and it's they don't look like they're deers in headlights or anything like this. They go, well, no, this is my job to do. This is what I've got to do, and I'll go and do it. And that's what um, the good teams are able to do, isn't it? They're able to have that one person, that one person mentality that Alistair Clarkson was so famous for. Um, and yeah, and we're definitely seeing the rewards of that at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. Very, very similar to the Hawthorne team of, um, yeah, the, the, basically the three-peat. But even being my vintage, you can go back to the Hawthorne, Hawthorne in the 70s and 80s, always had the... Um, the mentality of the the reserves. I mean, Michael Tucker, I think, played about fifty games in the reserves before he, he before he actually played in the seniors. And it was because, well, he's he's playing this particular role. There's not a spot for him, but when it opened up, bang, that was it, and he was in. Um, so yeah, they've, they, it's something a Hawthorne have always done well in my lifetime. Um, and yeah, so certainly Clarko's um, definitely adopted that there. And whether that's something that, uh, that Dimmer's picked up, um, working alongside, um, mm, yep. Clarko or just, it just, it's look, it's, it, it just makes sense when you look at that, it. Yeah, it's, exactly right. it's, you know, um, it happened, it happens in, in soccer in Europe as well. You know, it's, there's plenty of very famous European clubs like Ajax in Holland who have a very, very similar structure where literally from their junior teams, they all play a similar way. And so that when they eventually come into the senior team, which they, they, promote a lot of young players they're they're extremely good right from the start and i'm going to make a prediction that this week's vfl game at the swinburne center will draw the biggest crowd of the year and there'll be a lot of big footy people there no doubt because it sounds like that pickett is going to make his debut uh for the club after coming back from perth and i I know that everyone's hanging out to see him play so for anyone that's keen to get down it's on obviously saturday the 3rd of august at 2 30 p.m at the Swinburne Centre, so make sure you get down to check out uh, the VFL boys before the game. So, do you reckon Pickett's half a chance to get a senior game this year? Oh, look, yeah, 
I, you know, it, I mean, the, the, roman- the romantic in me would love to think, you know, yes, it, it would be it would be an amazing story. Um, but look, it, it, a lot of it'll depend. I mean, it's it's one of those things people talk about. You know, it'd be great to bring players in. You go, well, who, who's going out for him? You know, these things we've already, if, if you look at it like we say, so we've got Macintosh out at the moment. You expect him to come in this week, um, probably, you know, for, for Koch sort of thing. Um, it's like Koch, will, you assume, will hopefully come back in. Nan Curvis has got to come back in. There's a lot of guys who've got to come back in. So, yeah, I'd, I'd look, look, if he's, if he, if he comes in and he's good enough and he can, and he can have an impact and they think you'll, um, you know, he's he's worth a shot. Then yeah, but I'm I'm not sort of hanging out to think that oh he's you know going to be Norm Smith medalist or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Although the uh, the I've, I've already got Stacky pencil, penciled in as Norm Smith medalist anyway. So wouldn't uh, that be yeah. a story? Jeez. Oh yeah, and could you imagine the dancing on the podium as well? It's uh, <laughs> like uh, that that would be that would definitely be something for the uh, the highlights reel for many years to come. And uh, before we can even sort of start thinking about finals, Josh, we've got a couple more small stepping stones to go. Um, Melbourne this week, uh, every game's been a big go. I know it sounds silly because they're 17th, but it's still always a danger game I find with Melbourne. They always seem to get up and about when they play us. Uh, and they're not going to like being 17th. And we need to keep winning to hold on to fourth spot, essentially, because the Giants have got a pretty good run uh, and they're sitting right behind us. And if we have one slip up, uh, we're pretty much going to fall out of fourth spot. So... Massive game, a lot on the line this week. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, it, look, it's Melbourne's a really funny one. I don't think anybody expected um, that they would be where they are on the ladder. Um, it's, yeah, it just, it really, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at, I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously a much better team than what they're, than what their position indicates. Having said that, they're just not playing very good football at all. Um, they've just been really, really poor all year. Um, I think in their five games that they've won this year, they've well, they beat they won one by a point against Gold Coast, Carlton by five points, Hawthorne by five, Freo by fourteen, and they beat Sydney in Sydney. So it's. None of those that you think, oh my god, where well, they've had um, they've had some you know great wins. They ironically probably been some of their losses have been better, um, like more impressive if you like. The loss a couple of weeks ago against uh, West Coast, yep. which they probably should have won. Um, they had a good game against the Bulldogs a couple of weeks before that. Um, I, I don't know. Look, I'll, the the only thing I really worry about playing Melbourne this week is knowing. They've got good players there. They've got a good midfield. They've got a great ruckman. Um, if everything goes their way, they can beat us. Um, but I'd be pretty disappointed given where, how we're playing, how things are going at the moment. And I just, I, I struggle. You know, I struggle to sort of say. I know, and I really shouldn't say this, but it's. I mean, just if I'm looking at it as a a pundit and as trying to be unbiased. Um, yeah, we, we could lose, but I just think that... I, I, I think we're too professional a unit these days to get complacent. I think the Richmond of five or six years ago, I would have said, yeah, this is a real big danger game because, um, you know, we could we could easily shut off, you know, um, after, you know, particularly after a big game last week, you know, that was classic Richmond back in the day where you'd come out, you know, you'd knock off a Carlton or a Collingwood or an Essendon or whatever, and then the next week you'd, you know, you'd lose to, well, whoever sort of thing. And it was like, it just, you'd shake your head and couldn't understand why so um because i think that the probably melbourne obviously they're they're 
a lot of inside midfielders. They tend to win a lot of contested possession. Um, something we've sort of tightened up on a little bit, but we've we haven't really in the last few years. It's never been a massive indicator for us um, contested possession as to how we've as to whether we win games or not. Um, I, I just think, I mean, last time I had a look, I think gone. Max had like forty eight hit outs. 17 possessions, the rest of their midfield had, you know, they 20s to high 20s each, and we still absolutely pummeled them, really. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we could lose, but I just, I, I, I yeah, I, I, can't, I can't really see it happening, and I really shouldn't say that, and I can be, you know, thrown over the coals on the forum for no, uh, no, mossing us if, uh, <laughs> if that's the case, but anyway. I've, no, I tend to agree with you. Like the, in the games I've watched of them the last couple of weeks, it's they have been in games, which makes it really interesting, mm. uh, and that probably adds to your point that some of their losses have been better than their wins. But they just seem to crumble really easily at the moment under any kind of pressure. They just, I don't know, they just don't have that belief in their skill set at the moment to pull off those kicks inside the corridor to open up the ground to make that transition. So. And unfortunately for them, the uh, pressure game is kind of our one wood at the moment. So I, I can't see that ending well for them. Uh, and they're obviously missing McDonald down forward as well. He's been one of their better... Well, he's been a really good goal kicker for them since swinging uh, from the back line. But without him there, I'm just not too sure how they're going to be able to kick a big enough score. And you mentioned early on that St Kilda would kick the biggest score against us. And they've got some reasonable forwards, but I just don't know where Melbourne are going to get those goals from. No, no, I, I can't see it. I mean, you're right. I mean, McDonald out is they've obviously got a few personnel out as well, which yeah. which definitely obviously impacts. I mean, if they were if they were at full strength, you'd be a lot more concerned. But I think looking at where they are at the moment, um, and and in reality, where they probably want to end up at the end of the year, um, in terms of draft position and things like that, um, they're probably going to go well. You know. Second pick in the draft is probably not necessarily the worst. Um, not that I think they'll they'll tank, but um, the other thing I think they found really difficult looking at their their last quarters this year have been pretty terrible. They've really dropped off in games in the last quarter. Um, so it's, it's yeah, they, I don't know whether that's a, a mentally not being able to run games out, um, whether it's a, a bit of a physical thing. Um, but yeah, I just and and given our the way we play against teams tends to really physically wear teams down and and mentally break them as well because if they just um, like when the fir- the first time we played them this year when they were pretty much just kicking it they were just playing kick to kick in our back line it was often picking out one and two guys of, of our defenders by by themselves in the back line so yeah it's um it's it's a tough one um yeah but. I don't. Yeah, I, I can't see them. Um, I can't see them beating this really. Um, but anyway, do you think they're going to maybe target Sydney Stack after his big bump on Viney last time? Which, uh, for all well, from what I hear, was set up and deliberate from a sense because set, they were kind yeah. of getting stuck into him a little bit. Do you reckon mm-hmm. that's going to kick off? Do you reckon they'll maybe target him and try and put him off his game? Yeah, that uh, that's definitely a. Um, I was actually saying to a mate last week because um, the other guy I'd like to, I'd actually see like to see Stacky given a rest before uh, the end of the home and away season as well. I think just to freshen him up uh, mentally as much as physically. Um, and I, I actually said a couple of weeks ago, yeah, the, I'd actually rest him against Melbourne because I'm sure Viney and possibly others have uh, penciled in. Um, this one because I mean that was truly one of the the greatest hits I've had the pleasure of seeing at the football for a long long time 
um, in the first game. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, for somebody who, like Viney, who prides himself on being a you know, very hard, tough man to have a guy coming in in his third game of football or whatever it was at the time to just dish out one of the greatest hip and shoulders that, uh, you know, you'll uh, you'll ever get to see. Um uh, and, and without giving away even a hint of a free kick or uh, or being reported completely fair, and uh, you know that that pretty much summed up that game. I think in in that uh, split second sort of thing there, uh, both that and the aftermath. And I think the uh, the look on um, Viney's face sort of said it all uh, it, about it that game. <laughs> Uh, some um, key matchups we'll uh, have a look at as well. We've obviously spoken about the Lynch and Rewalt pairing. Uh, it looks like they'll probably be up against Jake Lever and Frost. I'm not sure if Stephen May's going to come back in. Uh, it looks like he's still under an injury cloud, but uh, if we assume for a second that he's not in, I think Lever and Frost might be in for a big day. And I know our board's got a bit of a thing with Lever after the grand final when he was with the Crows, but this might sound harsh, but he is not a one-on-one defender. He is a third-man-up intercept player, and he's reasonably good at it, but... If he's isolated against Lynch or Revolt, he's in for a world of hurt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm. I must admit, like I'm. Look, I actually think Lever's a very, very good third man up. Um, like you say, he's definitely not one on one, but he tends to read the game pretty well, and and he does use the ball. He's actually a guy I, I can see in two or three years' time because he's still pretty young. Um, I can see in two or three years' time Lever being one of the premier defenders in the competition, um, certainly playing that third-man role where he can, um, you know, particularly if you've got somebody like Stephen May back around to, to work with him as well. Um, but, yeah, given to this week and assuming that May's going to be out and it looks like he will be, um, yeah, that, that will be, yeah, that could be a really, really ugly scenario for them. Um, Just because, like, uh, he, like, having Lynch and Rewalt down there, completely shuts out almost his ability to go third man up because he can't just peel off one of those players. No, no, no well, that's it. Uh, it it's, it's, um, it's, it's meaning that they're going to have to um, restrict our movement or our ball use into the forward line. Um, and we often, well, we, we play from the back. So we get the pressure. We, we generally get a lot of ball um, going forward inside our 50 on our terms. They don't tend to be, hack kicks or, you know, kicks to, like, big contests or whatever, we tend to be able to pick guys out. And if we've got a situation like that where we've got two or three guys running down the field and you've got a Lynch and a Rewalt there, you there's no way you can peel off them. You've got to have to, you know, you've got to have to put yourself uh, in there. And, yeah, it's, it's you know, whether, whether it's Lever or anybody else, it's, yeah, I don't know if they're going to have the cattle to go there. It'll be an interesting one to see if... Um, Maybe they try with uh, with Max gone to uh, just drop back um, in the defensive thing after the thing. Yeah. I'd, I'd, if no, normally they they like to push forward with uh, with Max and get him forward, I wouldn't be surprised with particularly with our forward set up that they actually say to him, "Listen, we don't want you pushing forward up there." So they they go with a different structure up the forward line or a different tactic, if you like, and then actually push um, push um, gone back to um, to try to cut off uh, some ball coming that way. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good one to look out for. Uh, Clayton Oliver versus Jack Graham. Obviously, we spoke about Graham earlier on in his ability to create pressure and tackle. And Oliver hasn't had the best year, but he's one of those players that when you've got someone like Max Gorn feeding you the ball, that he could light it up and, and get, you know, 30, 35 disposals and be ultra damaging. Yeah, absolutely. And, th- and that sort of gets back to, 
yeah, exactly along the point I was saying. With the only thing that concerns me about Melbourne is that on paper they're a much better team than what they've um, what they've been showing. So they've got guys in there with a lot of ability, like a Clayton Oliver. So yeah, look, I think um, I think last week. Uh, Jack, you know his his game. That's that that would be by far, I think, his best game for the season. Um, and and I think he he relishes roles like that as well. I think uh, you know going back to you know on Rory Sloan the second half of the grand final, um, he just he just really gets into those things. And I think one of the really pleasing things um, about um, Graham's game last week was it wasn't just it like he. The, like you mentioned, the 13 tackles or whatever, but his actual ball use, um, if you know, was really, really good. Um, at uh, I mean, he, I think it was a couple of blunders, but uh, there was a couple of couple of just kicks, handballs that he just. Oh, I was like, well, well, I actually had to have a second look. Oh, that was that Jack Graham because it was really, really quite polished, and he seemed to pick it out. So, yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good one um, to go with to to go to Oliver because I think. A, he'll relish it, and B, I think, you know, he's got the potential to, to cause some hurt going the other way as well. Yeah, he definitely does. And the last matchup um, is going to be Christian Salem versus Daniel Rioli. Uh, Salem's pretty much their main ball user from the back half and setting up attacks. He's got good running carry, good disposal of the ball, and Rioli's starting to get back into a bit of form uh, with his pressure and getting himself into the game as well. So I wouldn't mind seeing him match up uh, with Salem because he's got the uh, ability to hurt him the other way and kick a few goals himself. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's pr- probably one one area that like Daniel's been probably a bit better the last few weeks. Um, he obviously hasn't had the the best season by his standards, um, but I think. One, one thing I'd like to see him over the next few weeks is actually hit the scoreboard a bit more. Um, he's he's been do, he's been good on the pressure, um, bringing uh, teammates into the game. But I I really like to see him um, actually hit the scoreboard more. But equally, as you say, having that role on Salem, where I mean, that's it. I just wouldn't give a wouldn't give him uh, an easy kick out of the back line because look, we see what happens. From our perspective, if if our good ball users get it from the back line, whether it's uh, whether it's Basher, uh, Vloston, uh, you know, short from a, a distance perspective, um, you can you can set up an awful lot from yeah. from the back line. So if you can, you, you know, it's 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 become the the modern modern day football one of the most key um, key positions on the ground. Really, that those those running backs that can dispose of the ball and use it going forward, they just become so so important um probably you know going back to that Hawthorne team probably the role that you know Luke Hodge uh, made his own there for a long uh, a, a long time just you know set up so much of their um their forward movement from from the back half yeah that's that's vital and if we shut him out it's going to go to a long long way to winning the game uh we've mentioned a bit, little bit about Nan Curvis already in our thoughts there with maybe him sort of sitting out another week just given the influence Gorn can have Obviously, Cotchin's out with a hamstring injury. Now, Caddy didn't play VFL last week, and there's been a little bit of speculation he might have a, a slight ankle injury. Do you think he's going to come back in, or do you reckon it's going to be McIntosh, who you mentioned before? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it'll be McIntosh. Um, I've got reasonable information that he was essentially just rested anyway. Um, well, rest, rested the, fir- the first week completely, but the second week, even the VFL, I mean, a lot of I think that's just to you know to get some run back into the legs without the the intense pressure, obviously that you get 
in the AFL, so it's it's as much a mental rest as a physical one. Um, so, and because I see, you know, uh, Camden as a pretty pretty important part of our team. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, so so certainly in September. Um, so I yeah I, I see I I don't think they bring Caddy in this week. I think possibly next week, uh, depending on what happens this week. But certainly, um, yeah, I'd, I'd bring K Mac in this week for sure. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I reckon he's pivotal to our finals uh, game. And yeah, I didn't. I was okay with him being rested. And if we're in a position where we can player manage heading into finals, I think that's a pretty good spot to be in as well. Absolutely. I think the big um, the, the the thing that's obviously the big difference between this this time last year and this year is this time last year we were just basically stumbling to well, not so much stumbling, but we pretty much knew we were going to finish top. So it was like. Players, I think, apart from anything else, can you know mentally switch off or whatever. You know, you, it's an it's a natural thing, and you go to try to physically. So you you drop that intensity. I love the fact that this year we've actually got West Coast and Brisbane in our last two games. I think um, it means that you know we, we we have to win them. I mean, looking at the, I've I've done the old ladder predictor as you know probably most of us have, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and and we can we can win our all four of our games left and still finish fourth you know depending on percentage and um that's where uh, that's where i sort of look at last week against collingwood those two goals before half time and the last three at the end of the game you know that it's happened a few times where teams have just got goals you know laid on against us and um percentage could be absolutely crucial so um yeah i think uh i think that's that's going to be a, so I like the fact that we got we got two very big games um, to finish off the off the season with it so we're not going to be able to just you know like like I think last year against Essendon and that we rested half you know Cochin and it yeah. was a bunch of bunch of players and it was like it, it's not it's not the ideal preparation you want to go into cutthroat uh, games no, in September no, to have that yeah that match hardened kind of approach in a must win game I think it's going to be a much better preparation all right, before we let you go, we'll get a tip, including margin. What's your final prediction for the game? Well, Tigers, obviously. Um, and Look, I've said 47. Um, not really any science with that. It just came to me like thinking about that. I think it's about that. It, it could be. I'm, I'm hoping it's a fair bit more than that, to be honest. But um, I'm not a greedy man, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll look at it by 47. And just in reality, I, I just I don't see Melbourne... Having um, uh, they they just haven't had the season. They don't have the structure. You can't magically turn form on, um, and they're going to have to they're going to have to have a pretty massive increase in form. And and likewise, I just don't think the current Richmond team is a team that will drop off um, enough to give them enough to give them a chance. So yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that's the key part as well is that we would have to drop off an extraordinary amount um, to lose this game and. I just with with what's on the line, the players know they have to keep winning. I, I they're in good form. They're starting to get their mojo back. I can't see it happening. I'm just not sure where Melbourne will get their goals from, uh, or how they're going to restrict us enough given our firepower. So, I reckon the Tigers by 38. But like yourself, I'm kind of hoping it's a lot more. But um, <laughs> the four points is essentially the most important thing at this point. Absolutely. In time, so, a reminder: the game is on. Saturday night at 7.25pm at the G. It's a Melbourne home game, so make sure we get as many Tiger fans as long as possible and get down to the VFL beforehand as well and check out how the boys are going there too, sitting top of the ladder and doing a bloody good job. Fraser67, thanks so much, mate, for coming on tonight. Really appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. No worries at all. Until next time, go Tigers.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!